Let's begin. Today is Daf Ayin Test number 79. Yesterday was Ayin Ches. We'll do a review of yesterday's Daf. Get to today's. And we'll have a mind for Shalema for Yehudus Basara. Rachaleah Basara. And Eimim Basvara and all else we need. And with that, let's get going. So, um, what did we learn yesterday? So, uh, we started off yesterday talking about the concept of uh, the what-ifs. Meaning, typically we're saying that the Torah would not uh, present a what-if scenario where you would have to be doing something wrong in order for it to happen. So, we're not going to talk about, if, if we're talking about the Mitzri... Uh, well, uh, a, uh, um, a mitzvah, uh, even first generation, is fully permitted uh, and f- like a full, full-fledged giyores. So then, that basically cre- creates a scenario that a regular mitzri has nobody who he's allowed to marry. If you hold that kahal gerim mikrikal, because they are part of the the kahal, they're not allowed to marry a mamzer. They're not allowed to marry. Somebody who a regular Yisrael is not allowed to marry, and then there's nobody who Mitzri would be allowed to marry. So uh, maybe we could be talking about the what if, but we don't talk about what ifs. So the Gemara says, "What do you mean we don't talk about what ifs? Isn't every Mamzer case a what if scenario? It's what if they did something wrong that makes a Mamzer." So the answer is, yeah, that's a what if that's prohibited. We're talking about a what if to create a level of Dor Shlishi Yavah Bohem Hashem. Uh, what if that's going to be pasuk, right? to fulfill, <laughs> to be to fulfill the only pasuk. way to fulfill that pasuk is with is with isurim that 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 kind of what if we don't talk about so the gemara is saying but by Rishaso, that's a what if person took back his wife after uh, uh, after he divorced her and she married somebody else in the interim um, so uh, we know that's an iser and uh, the child is going to be mut- mutter so it's a what if but so the gemara says you're right it's a what if. The what if is saying is not what if, he's saying it's an isser involved in taking back the wife that doesn't affect the children. The children are still fine. Uh, the children's status is not affected. That's all it's saying. It doesn't mean that it's a what if lehetera. So the Gemara says basically, okay. Um, anyway, brings us to the next thing. It says that if it says uh, banim in the parsha of Mitzri, it says banim, and it also says doros. And why would we use the two terminologies? It means the same, basically the same thing. The next generation. So the Gemara explains that uh, each one sort of lends an understanding that helps the, helps us get the full picture. If you say just banim, and say the third, you know, the third banim is permitted, somebody might count sons this way. They say, son, you know, my first son is uh, prohibited, second son prohibited, third son is permitted. <laughs> in other words, the Egyptians, only the third child in on is going to be allowed. That's what they might think it means. So that's why you have to say Doros. We don't mean the third son, we mean the third generation. All of the first generation is prohibited. Okay, and the second one also, and the third one's okay. So um, that's why we have to say Doros. Now why isn't it good enough to just say Doros? Um, it's a little bit clearer. You know, forget the word banim. So, um, so then the Gemara says, no, if it would just say Toros, then maybe it's just talking about to the people who are on, on Har Sinai. And they're saying, you know, Dor Shlishi meaning don't marry an Egyptian from this generation. Next generation don't marry. Third generation, they can start marrying Egyptians and Adamites. That's what it might mean. Might, in other words, so that's why I had to say, no, no, no. 
any Egyptian that married, that comes that converts, their first generation is permitted to marry Israel, as well as the second, only the third and on would be permitted. That's how between the Banim, together with the Doros, provide the full information. Now it says Lohem. The reason why it says Lohem is to tell you that we start counting from the original convert. That's first generation. Don't say that the kid is the first generation. Um, you know, like uh, <laughs> sort of like by immigrants, you know, we say the kids, right? The first, first generation, generation first Americans. Generation, right. right, first generation American, right? It's like, uh, like we're counting from the the first generation is the is the convert himself. See, his child is a second generation Jew um, um, or Egyptian, and the third generation is already a regular full fledged Jew. All right, so that's the that's the story with that. So we say immigrant generation for the first yeah. Americans that came over from the whole country. Yeah. yeah. Immigrant generation, not the first generation. Right. What do you mean? I, I'm no, just saying. Sure. I'm just using showing that the 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 confusion, explaining the confusion. Yeah, you know, it, it, that's why we have to say lahem that we're counting from the convert themselves. Right. Grandchildren are okay. Grandchildren are already okay. That's what we mean to say. Um, anyway. Oh, it's confusion. Oh, it's mayhem. Oh, that's a nice word. A mayhem. All right. There you go. What is the mayhem? Mayhem um, is to tell you that. Um, um, that we that that their psul, we always follow the psul. Meaning, if one is the apostle one, the other one's not. There, that's that's the then we're gonna the child will have the psul. Um, now, why do you have to say lohem over here, as well as lo asher yuv, asher yuvoldu, um, um, together? Um, so the gemara says that uh, because if we just say asher yuvoldu, then I might think that we that uh, we're starting from the sons. So that's why I have to say lohem. And if we just say lahem, you might think that a pregnant Egyptian woman who converts while she's pregnant, they're all one generation, and, the, and therefore the, her great-grandchild is the only one who's first going to be allowed. So that's why I have to tell you, no, it goes by Leda. And therefore that child was born after being Jewish, therefore even though not conceived when she was Jewish, and that's already counting as a second-generation Egyptian, which is a chiddush. Um... Um, that's that. Now, why does it say lahem over here and also lo by mamzer that we that we holechacher psul? Because if we would say it over here, you'd say, well, look, they're they're Gentiles, so therefore it's tipa psul, or maybe it's worse. Uh, as opposed to mamzer is born from Jews, both sides are Jewish. Or on the other hand, maybe mamzer is worse because it's not roi love bakala olam, so it's extra stringent. So that's why we've got holechacher psul. Not Mashenkin over here. So that's why I have to tell you in both cases that we follow the where the psul is, where the invalidity is. Now, Rabbi Barbachan said in Rabbi Yechanan, the second generation Egyptian that marries a first generation Egyptian woman, the child will be a third generation. And the reason why is because we go after the father. So Rabbi Yosef, uh, that's a first, uh, that's, again, it's important to know, they're all in the name of Rabbi Yechanan, but this is first opinion. That's Rabbi Barbachana that it follows the father's side, whatever the father is, okay? And, um, and uh, Rav Yosef has a problem with that. Rav Tarfin says that uh, there's an easy way for Mamzerim, not easy, but there's a way for Mamzerim to purify their offspring by, by uh, going ahead and 
having relations with a slave woman, the children will be slaves. Once they're freed, they're fully, their, their status of mamzerus is gone. And basically, the children are not mamzerim anymore, um, are not going to be mamzerim. Um, so we see that it goes by her. So the Gemara says, that's there, that's not here. Here, there is different because it says by, specifically by slave woman, that the woman and her children belong to the master and they only have one status, the status of slave. Once they're freed, they're freed. Their status of, is a freed slave, fully Jewish. So that's the story. Essentially, Rambam actually cites this, and but it's this is actually a mitzvah of a vera, as it were, because you're not supposed to free your slaves. So that's this, uh, right, right. This mm-hmm. Of course, for a woman, there's no way around it. She just has to marry another mom's and then for sons, it can be free. There's a woman. There's no no, no pure. There's no option, right? But uh, but her child can uh, whatever. All the her sons, her sons. Her sons can right. Her son can marry, can can do this trick. Okay. Um, now, um, well, okay. So that's that. <coughs> so the Gemara says. Um, okay. So Rava has another question that uh, Ravuta says that the Minyamin, the, who was a ger mitzri, he told his friend um, Ravuta. He said they were Talmidim of Rabbi Kiva, and he said, you know, I'm a first generation Egyptian. I married a first generation Egyptian woman. My son, I'm going to make sure he marries the second generation so that the, his kids will be mother love of Bagal. So my, at least my grandchildren will be royal love of Bagal. Now, if it goes by him, so then why would he need to marry a, why would his son need to marry a mitzvah shnia? His son goes by the, by, the, by, the, by the male. So the Gemara says, um, that's exactly what Rabbi Yochanan told him. He's like, no, it's even Rishona, not, not necessarily. All right. Anyway, that was version A. Next was Rabbi Ravdimi. In the name of Rabbi Yochanan, he says, no, a mitzvah that marries a mitzvah Rishona, the sons of Shani. Why? Because it follows the woman. It always follows the woman, not the, not the man. Which is basically, um, so Abayi says, I, Rabbi Yochanan says, that when you set aside a chatas muberes, and uh, she gives birth, you, you can e- use either, um, either the, the mother or the, their child as the korban, as the korban chatas. Um, and now if you say, Uber so meaning it's separate entity, so it's not defined by her. So then, it makes sense why it's like separating two two chatos, and I could choose whichever one I want. And the other one just needs to graze. But uh, if you say that it's, uh, which is what you're saying, that it goes by her because it's uber yarachimo, because she's the child, the fetus, the is a, is an extension of the mom. That's why it's defined by the mom. So then, why is it a flat chatos? Flat chatos needs to die. So he was silent. So then he says, maybe it's different over there because it says specifically Asherifaltu. In other words, the reason why by uh, Mitzri it goes by the mother is because it goes by the Yivaltu. The word Yivaltu means that the mom is the key, key factor here. Otherwise, why mention the Banim Asherifaltu? The, 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 the birthing word didn't need to be in the text. So that's an indication that it's Tolu and Leda, so it goes by the mom. Okay. So he says, yeah, that's a good answer. He liked it. Next thing, um, so uh, so he says, it's only because it says, Asher Yivoldu, but in general, you do follow the father. It's an exception by Egyptian that it goes by the mother. Okay? Um, so the Gemara says, um, if that's true, then in general it doesn't go by the mother. Normally it does go by the father. So then why is it that when you have a Gentile woman who's pregnant, 
and she converts, and uh, and uh, then the child does not need to go to the mikvah. Um, now, if you uh, because shouldn't the child is not an extension of the mother, she need she need to go to the mikvah in his own right. Now, what are you going to say um, uh, that maybe it's like Rav Yitzchok who says that mina Torah, the only thing that creates a barrier for the mikvah is if it's uh, most of the body and it uh, creates a chetzitza. But if it's most of the body uh, that is not makbed, then it's not a, and then it's not a chetzitza. Um, so the, you have to have both factors. So um, so a Rav Kana, that's not relevant because that Rav Kana says that's only if it's most. If it's all, then everybody's going to say it's a chetzitza. And here it's all. So the Gemara says, you don't need that. In other words, even if the child is in its own entity, um, the, the going to the mikvah of the mother will work for the child because that's the natural habitat of the child in this state. So therefore, it's not considered a chazitza. That's the main difference. Anyway, um, then we had, that was, again, so this is Rav Dimi, who says that it goes, in the name of Rav Yochanan, goes by the Ma. So we have two opposing versions with, from Rav Yochanan. Then we finally have the third version, which is actually the one that we actually follow. Ravina says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that when it comes to the nationhood of the Gentiles, how do you de- determine the nationhood of a Gentile? It goes by the male, always. Once they convert, so then whichever th- there is the Pagam, that's what the child will have, Whoever, where the, wherever there is the Pagam. So in other words, so Gemara says, what's the case that we're talking about over here? So, first of all, as far as while they're in other nations, we find by we know that we're not allowed to accept anybody from the seven nations of Canaan, um, even as a slave. Um, and uh, that's, uh, and the Allah is though, if, a, if somebody from one of the other nations comes to Canaan and, and, and marries a Canaani woman, that child is a, you're allowed to take as a slave. And there's a pasuk for that effect. Now, what about if a Canaanite man goes out of the nation, goes somewhere else, and, and marries a, a foreigner, and has a child with her? So you might think that you could buy that child as a slave? No, you can't, because it's defined by the father. And that's what the, what the Pesach says. It only says, that are born here, not those that are born far away and live here. The idea being is that usually the mom is going to want to give birth near her family where she grew up. Anyway. Tonight that was a relevant for Torah, too. What? We were going for Torah. That was our status, too. Our status too. So it followed the father. the father. It followed the father till we became Jewish. Then it followed, then it switches to the mother. Anyway, but... So, uh, so, so really, so the bottom line is <clears throat> if you have a son of a convert and he marries a girl who's just converted and they have a child, that that child... Is now Jewish because we're going to go on the father status. No, no, it doesn't matter. She it doesn't matter. They're both Jewish. They're both Jewish. One, the, there's no difference of first no, generation but, convert and a. No, but they, but they can marry in Israel. That's yeah, the question. Yeah. Marry Cohen. Yeah, yeah. The the kid will be allowed to marry Cohen regardless because the child the child. We we pass in the, the child of, of converts. Both parent converts is allowed to marry a Cohen according to the halacha. Okay. So, uh, but but the hidden, what the purpose, of, what the te- teaching over here really is, is like. So first, the Gemara goes through two sides. So the Gemara says, "What? Well, what do you mean? If the father's a mitzri and she's an amonis, 
Um, that's not a pagam shebeshem. They don't have a combination. There's not a pagam on the mother's side at all. She's like a full convert woman that's fully acceptable to marry whoever she wants. So that's not an issue. The case is the other way around. Um, with a Moni man marries a Mitzri woman. So if, if, if they give birth to a boy, we can consider the boy an Amoni boy. As also, also love of a cult, can't marry. If there's going to be a girl, so being an Ammonist would be a good thing. She's free to marry whoever she wants. No, we consider her an Egyptian woman, and therefore she's a second generation, cannot, cannot marry anybody, uh, uh, um, any, uh, she cannot marry about, uh, Israel. only her child would be allowed to. So that's what I'm saying. We're giving the worst, whichever is the worst definition, whichever, wherever the Pagam is, that's, what, that's how we're going to treat. Okay. okay. Which brings us to the new Mishnah, which is Mamzerim and Asirim and Nasinim, talking about a Mamzer and talking about a Nasin. Um, and uh, we're going to get into these Nasinim um, and today's stuff more, more in depth. So they're both Is Asr and the Isr is forever, it doesn't go away at all. And, um, and it's both male and female. So Rish Lakish says a, a fascinating idea. He says that a Mamzer is after on the 11th generation is a Mutter. And the reason why is because the only way we know that it's, af- it's beyond the 10th generation, Pasuk doesn't say by Egyptians that it's after the 10 generations. It just says 10 generations, they have a Bakalashem, finished. Uh, Dora Siri. Oh, even 10. Even 10. Didn't say what's 11. Okay? Mm-hmm. What is the, that's one thing. Then, Gemara said, and then, and then it says by, by Amon and Moab, it says, it says by Amon or Gamdor Siri. Gamdor and then it says Ad Olam. There, it extends it beyond mm-hmm. 10. So, from 10 and... But, but since they both mentioned 10, so we understand that, obviously, Mamzer is not only Asr till 10 generations, it's even Asr beyond 10 generations. Okay? Because we learn it from Ammon. But if you're learning from Ammon, well, Ammon only messes up the men, not the women. So, therefore, a Mamzer woman past the 10th generation is going to be permitted, according to Rish Lakish. Because it's learned from Ammon, and, and Ammon only... Only is only true for the males, not for the females. That's the idea. Amazing chiddush uh, over here. So, um, so you were saying before that a mom's or man has no uh, has has an etza, but a mom's or woman hasn't. In this opinion of Rishakish, tenth generation, eleventh generation is permitted. Just hang in there. Only just hang in there, right? You keep, 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 you know, like, don't give up. Anyway, so the Gemara says. Um, if we're learning from Amon, maybe women, Mamzerim, are mutter right away. Mamzeris is, uh, is permitted. So the Gemara says, no, the Gzeris Shava is really only needed for after 10th generation. It's already Asr for 10 generations, as stated in the Pazak directly. Uh, um, uh, so the Gemara says, that doesn't fit to the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that it's Asr Le'olam, both male and female. It doesn't say only 10 generations. So Rishlakish and our Mishnah are at odds. So the Gemara says, you're right. There's two, two shitas, and it really depends on which shita you go with. There's what we call don mina umina, and then don mina v'ukir basra. Don mina umina, which means that wherever I'm learning from, I'm learning the details of that limud from there as well. So in other words, since mom's there past ten, generation 10 is learned from Amoni, um, so I learned from there, and I also learned the details from there as well, which is it's only male and not female. That's what Rish Lakish is going with that Tana's version. And our Mishnah is going with the other version that says that it's Domina Uki Ba'asra, which means that I get the idea that it goes, that 10 is not a limit, it keeps going even past 10. 
But and then I apply it to how what's similar to the other examples. Since the first generations is both male and female, it makes sense that the, when it's going beyond that, it's going to be both male and female. That's the uki basra, and that's how our mission is going. So they ask Rabbi Leizer, um, what's the halacha of a mamzeris? I love you. Want to know how Rabbi Leizer holds? Does he, do you hold that after the eleventh, after ten generations, it's permitted? And he's like, okay, show me one that's even three generations, and I'll be happy to say she's permitted. Uh, which is basically saying is that it's never, it's, it's, it's not possible. It won't happen. And because uh, a mamzer will not live. And that's what Rav Huna says, a mamzer doesn't live. Um, they, they, they eventually die out. I um, had it up to them with our Mishnah. Mishnah says it's Isra Olam. So Rav Zeri explains that Rav Yudah explained to him that it really depends. A mamzer who doesn't hide the fact that he's a mamzer, he, he'll live, the generations will live, because people will know to avoid him. But once he's trying to hide the fact that he's a mamza, so then they're going to just die out. Because the idea is Hashem has to protect the Jewish people from you know, getting completely mixed up with mamza. So that's the idea. Um, and, um, and that's the story. Um, and if, what if it's known but not known? So then up to three generations, uh, they'll live. But once they... Cause by the grandchildren already, nobody's going to remember what happened with the Zaydi. You know what I'm saying? That generation, there's a little bit of rumors. But beyond that, it's lost. And therefore, they won't live. The story goes that there was a fellow in Rabbi Ami's neighborhood that he just proclaimed on him that the kids are, that he's a mamza. And he was crying, you know, like, you ruined my life. And it's like, no, no, no. I didn't ruin your life. I gave you life. Because if you weren't, if it wasn't going to be known that you're a mamza, then you'll be... Um, uh, then, then, then you'll then you'll die out. Um, Rav Chana Bar Ada moved on. Okay, so the next topic is the Nisinim. So the Nisinim, how did the Nisinim become Asrul Bakal? Basically, Nisinim, just to understand the story, the Nisinim basically saw that the Jews were taking over Eretz Yisrael, and they realized that there's not there's no way that they're going to be able to survive. Um, they're killing out all the nations. Okay, so what they did is they may believe that they came from a foreign land and they just want to join the Jewish people, even though they were locals. Um, and they tricked them and they made them swear that they'll protect them, uh, you know, keep them under their protection. And that was the way they survived. Um, and, uh, the, and they were given like a, a slave status, that my slave status, that they should be chot ve'etzim, wood choppers and shovimaim and water carriers. And that was their jobs. Um, and that was that. Now, the, then David made a decree on them that nobody's allowed to marry from Klal Yisrael. It's a rabbinic decree. And uh, it says that he called the Gvonim and, he's, and they were not made B'nai Yisrael. Now, why did he make this decree? So the story goes, it's a little bit of background story. We didn't quite finish it yesterday. We'll finish it today. Uh, there was a famine for three years in David's times. And the first year he thought to blame it on Avodah Zarah because... The Pasuk says in Kriyashma, um, you worship other, other gods. Um, and then, so he checked into it, nobody's involved in idolatry, not in that time. Then, um, he, next year, he's like, okay, it's not that, maybe it's, um, maybe there's promiscuity going around. Maybe that's what the issue is. And he checked that out. Uh, and the reason why, because there's a Pasuk that also says that the, the, what holds back the reins is a Meitzach Ishazona. The forehead of a of a of a prostitute. So maybe there that's what the, that's what's going on. That's the Avera. He looked into it, didn't find it. People were careful in that as well. 
Third generation, he says, okay, I mean, third year, he's like, okay, it's not any of the other two, not the two pinkies, so what could it be? So I said, maybe the, rain, the fact that it's not raining is for people who are promising charity and they're not paying up their charity. Now, and, that, and that also, it's like uh, the clouds come and no rain comes down because it's like the same idea. They make, they're making it seem like they're going to provide and they don't. Looked into it, it wasn't there. So he says, okay, it's not anything that's obvious or not any of the basics. Let's look into it. It's, it's, it's a, it has to do with me, something special. So he, so he went to the Urim Tumim and he asked, what's going on over here? And they, the Urim Tumim told him that it's because Shol was not eulogized properly, that's number one. And second of all, the Gvonim lost their, they didn't, they didn't kill out the Gvonim, but, the Lonim, but once Novi Arakonim was killed, so and they were providing sustenance to the Gvonim, and they lost that, it's as if, you know, so it's as if they were killed. They lost their parnasa, and that's what's being uh, taken. They're being taken to task for, which is very interesting. How can it be that, you know, we're talking about shol wasn't eulogized properly, and yet on the same, you know, on the same vein, we're sort of saying that he, he uh, that that uh, something that shol did very wrong. The answer is that is the right way to do it. You know, in other words, once you want to take somebody to task for something, you also have to appreciate who they are and the positives that they that they did in their lifetime. And that's, uh, that's exactly what's going on. And that is what we got up to yesterday. And we'll take it from here.